listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. You know, when you see something like that, it's like it gives you all kinds of feelings and all kinds of different, different thoughts to have go through your head. Some of it's real life. Some of it's our life that we live right now. It's where we come from. It's what we know. But in the middle of all of it, all of us have come here tonight from all kinds of different places. Some of you have been involved in church in some capacity your whole life. And if we were to scan this room and say, where are you from? We have people from all kinds of churches sitting right here in this room. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have fallen off and you're just like, I'm never going back to church again. And somehow here you sit one more time because at our heart's core, once we have had our eyes opened to the truth of God, we can never go back and we can never close our eyes again. We've seen it. And we know that there's something more than the darkness that we see all around us. We know there's more than the craziness that we experience in our world all around us. And that's why you're here tonight. You may have thought you just thought it was a good idea. You may have thought you stumbled through the door, you had nothing better to do. But the truth of the matter is that God wanted you here tonight and he set you up. And I'm so glad that you're here. We're gonna open our Bibles because we believe that there's a few things that we have that helps us to connect with God in a way that not much else does. One of them is music. We just got done singing a few songs and we feel a connection with God when we sing like nowhere else in our, in our life. And so we love to sing, we love to play music. But another way that we connect with God is when we open the Bible. You can be in the darkest place in your world and you can open the Bible and somehow, some way, it will illuminate the darkness. Somehow, some way, it'll speak to you and it'll give you what you're looking for in that moment. And so I want us to open the Bible tonight and I want to talk about a story in the book of John. There's a guy that was going through a really difficult time in his life. And we're going to read his story tonight. And starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And when he was inside the city near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda. It had five covered porches, and there were crowds of sick people. There were blind, there were lame or crippled, there were paralyzed. They all laid down on the porches. One of the men that was lying there, he had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, and he knew that he had been ill for a long time, Jesus asked the man, would you like to get well? And the man replied, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool. And when the water's, water bubbles up, someone always gets there ahead of me. Think about this with me for a second. This is a guy that's been sick for 38 years. Now, all right, I'm 39. I know none of you knew that, but I'm about to tell you, I'm 39 years old. I'm thinking of the last, I don't remember all of them, few of them, but 38 years, that's my entire life to be sick, to be dealing with something, to be dealing with a, something that was, that was holding me back from feeling good, from being who I wanted to be and doing what I wanted to do. And Jesus comes along this guy and he says to him, do you want to get well? And the guy's response is so perfect. He says, I can't. Somebody always gets there ahead of me. 
Think about it. Isn't that the way that sometimes we feel? Somebody's always getting it ahead of me. Somebody always gets the break. Somebody always gets the whatever, and it's not me. I can't. See, in this story, we find that there was a, a superstition of the day that if you were sick, you could go to this place and there was a pool of water. Some of the history buffs say that this was a really dark, dirty, dingy pool of water, but it was water nonetheless. And the superstition was that if you were there in the right place at the right time, that an angel would come down from heaven and when the angel fluttered its feathers, it would cause the surface of the water to bubble. And if you saw the water bubbling up, and you were the first one to jump in, whatever ailed you would be taken away. Whatever sickness that you had would be gone. How would you like that? I mean, if I'm this dude, it's 38 years and I've been sick the entire time. I've got nothing else to lose. I've got nowhere else to go. I'm going to be sitting there on the water's edge probably just like this guy, day in, day out, nothing else to do but staring at a swamp for bubbles. Think about it. He's just, all of his hope, all of his anticipation is in this belief that somehow, some way, he could be the first one to get in. And so Jesus comes by and he's like, hey man, do you want to get well? And the guy's like, I can't because look at me, I'm lame, I'm, I'm paralyzed, and I can't get in the water first. This was a really bad deal, think about it, because in order to get in first, that meant that number one, you had to be kind of like the healthiest of the unhealthy You had to be like the ones that weren't quite so sick in order to even have a shot at getting better. It was crazy. And Jesus comes along and he changes everything. For the last several weeks, we've been talking about this amazing concept that Jesus came from heaven to this world that we live in. He says it like this, the world was covered with darkness and light invaded the darkness. Jesus came to where you and I live so that we could have a chance of knowing who God really is. See, we live in a world that lies to us all the time. We live in a world that tells us all kinds of misconceptions about what God is like. We live in a world that portrays God to be something that he is not. And it's been going down that way for years. And finally, there came a point in the history of time where God said, enough is enough. I am tired of being mischaracterized. I'm tired of nobody understanding what I'm really like. Jesus, you have to go set the record straight. You have to go show the world what I am really all about, what my heart is really like towards them. Jesus, I want you to go and hug the ones that are unhuggable. I want you to go and wrap your arms around the ones that have been thrown out and discarded because they didn't know the rules of society. Jesus, you go and show them that the Father loves them and he's looking for them and he's relentless in his search and he will not give up until he finds them. And Jesus came. But when Jesus came, this is the most interesting thing about the story, Jesus didn't come to do his own thing. He didn't come to this world and just think, you know, I'm just going to walk around. History in the Bible tells us that he lived for about 33 years on this earth. And he didn't come for 33 years and just walk around from town to town and place to place and just randomly say, hmm, I'd like to just maybe do a thing here and minister here and maybe heal a person here. No, the Bible says that Jesus did everything 
by God's will. As a matter of fact, we read last week that Jesus never did anything without direction from God. And he said, these are Jesus' words. He says, I can do nothing on my own. I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. This is Jesus. This is God in flesh form, the Son of God coming down. And he said, I don't do anything without a plan. I don't do anything without direction from my Father. The reason that that's really interesting when we read this story of this guy that's been sick for 38 years laying at the side of this pool hoping for a miracle is because Jesus didn't do random things. Jesus didn't just happenstance along this guy and just comes out, hey man, you look like you're messed up. Do you need some help? No. Jesus didn't do anything by accident. Every word he said, every place he went was by God's plan, was by God's direction. And so when Jesus intersects this guy's life, it's because God intersected this guy's life. Let's read some more of this story. Verse number eight, Jesus says to the man, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. But this miracle, it happened on the Sabbath day. So the Jewish or the religious leaders, they objected to this miracle. They said to the man, who has cured you? You can't work on the Sabbath. The law law does not allow you to carry a sleeping mat on the Sabbath. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. They said, who said such a thing as that? The man didn't know because Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus went and found the man in the temple and he told him, now you are well. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. And then the man went and told the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, that it was Jesus who had healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, listen to these words that Jesus said, my father is always working and so am I. He says, my father is always working and so am I. See, when Jesus comes into this man's life, everything changed. Everything in his world changed. He rolled up a sleeping bag and carried it. He didn't have legs that worked. He didn't have the ability to move. And he, for the first time, was told to stand up on legs that didn't work, roll up his mat, and carry it. It was the first of many things that he would be experiencing. Why? Because God saw him. God saw this guy's situation and his condition, and God, through Jesus, did something amazing. In this story that we just watched up here with this family, just a beautiful illustration of everyday life. You've got stuff that's going on. You've got tension. You've got a mailbox that doesn't seem to bring any happy news ever, right? This stupid mailbox, it's always a bill or it's something that I don't want to open, you know? Why couldn't something happy ever come from this thing? And he opens it up and it's, it's all more pain 
God sees that situation. God sees our real life stuff. God sees our stress. God sees us when we can't take it anymore. God sees the torment. God sees the anxiety. God sees the fears, the stress. God is not blind or looking around going, I don't see. God sees. Last week, we talked about something that kind of shook us up a little bit. We talked about the day that every single one of us is going to face at some point. We read in the book of Corinthians a letter to a church. And in this letter, the author talks about the day that we all will stand before God. And on this day that we all stand before God, nobody is excluded from this date. Every single one of us at some point is going to have this appointment. And in this letter, he says that on this day, you're going to have stuff with you. And we talked about this illustration last week of what would it be like if we piled all of the contents of our life in front of us. If we just took all of my 39 years or put it all right here in front of us. And on that day, Jesus takes a torch and he sets it on fire. The Bible says that the fire is going to test it and it's going to show what it's really worth and what it's really, what kind of value it really has. And we talked about how at the end of that test, we're going to see what we had built with our life. We're going to see what we had made and whether or not it would survive the test of fire. Now, the interesting thing about this that we learned last week was not that we all need to get busy and do a bunch of good deeds to people because that stuff isn't what's going to hold up to the test of fire. The only things that will last, the only things that will be left standing are the things that we did out of obedience to God's will. That's it. There's nothing else that will be left standing other than what God told us to do and whether or not we did it. We talked about the fact that our life consists of wood and hay and straw and, and stubble, things that just... They'll be gone in an instant. And as we look at this guy's life tonight, and as we look at his situation, and as we look at the way that Jesus intersected, the hope, the plan of God is to intersect many more people's lives. The hope and the plan of God is that this guy's situation isn't isolated, but that every single one of us has a moment of darkness that has a place of pain, that God would have the ability to access it to come into those places, to be able to come into the difficulties that you and I face. This last Tuesday night at men's Bible study here, guys, if you're not doing anything on Tuesday nights, come on out. We're having a great time getting to know each other and just talking about scripture and, and the life that we live and how they all come together. But one of the brothers shared this passage in the book of James. I wanna share it with you tonight. It's one that many of us have heard before but maybe not quite like this. In James chapter two, or James chapter one, excuse me, it says, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing 
nothing. And in verse 19, it says this amazing things. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. It's an interesting thought when we think of our life. And he says in this letter that when trial comes your way, when trouble comes your way, when pain and heartache and stress and fear and anxiety come our way, to consider it as an opportunity. Now, I know of an opportunity in my life when I see one. I mean, I'm in construction. That's how I pay the bills. And if somebody calls me and the first thing out of their mouth is, hi, I'm looking for a contractor, that's an opportunity. I understand. That's like, okay, yeah, I I can build things. Okay, that's an opportunity. But when I find out that there's something unexpected that comes my way, when I go to the doctor and the doctor tells me, Jason, something's not working right in your body, when I get an unexpected bill that I wasn't planning on, when you know the list goes on and on, whatever, trouble, trials, hard stuff. When that comes my way, the last thing that I tend to think of is, this is an opportunity, I better not miss it. I better grab this one because you never know if another one's gonna come. (laughs) Yeah, right. He says, consider trouble or trial as an opportunity for joy. You know, when things go bad, it's like we instinctively want to ask why. When we get in the middle of something, we instinctively, it's like just second nature. It's like, why, why, how did I get here? You know, it's like automatic. Depending on how you are emotionally, sometimes it goes to anger, sometimes it goes to blame, sometimes it goes to whatever, but instinctively we all ask the question, why? In this passage, it says something really profound. It says every one of us needs to do three things. We need to be slow to speak, we need to be quick to listen, and slow to become angry. Think about it. We need to be slow to talk and yell and scream and vent. We need to be quick to listen and we need to be slow to get angry. I want to tell you something that you may not believe, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. If you will be slow to question God on every single thing that goes on in your life, If you will be slow to ask God, why, why, why? He will reveal amazing ways for you to get to know him. Amazing opportunity stands before us to get to know God when things go bad. See, at the bottom line, when trouble occurs, you got two choices. You can either speak or listen. That's it. When trouble comes, you can either speak or you can shut your mouth and start listening. Because God wants to tell you something. Last month, we were on a Wednesday night in Gravity Flow doing a Bible study discussion thing. And somebody started talking about the life of a guy in the Bible by the name of Job. For those of you that are unfamiliar with some of the stories in Scripture... I'll tell you a little bit about this guy's life. Job was this guy that lived a good life. This was a guy who did things by the book. 
He was honorable. He was respectable in his community. He had a big family. He was a very, very successful businessman. He was very wealthy. This guy had so much stuff that on the surface you looked at and you went, what more could Job really need in life? He, was, he had it all. He was happy. An interesting thing happened that many of us don't understand the depth of it. But in the story, we find this strange conversation that happens between God and the devil. The devil actually comes before God and starts to talk to God about people on the earth in different situations. And God says to the devil, have you seen Job? Isn't that weird that, that God would point somebody out that was doing it right? Isn't that seem a little strange? And God says to the devil, he says, have you seen Job? He's the real deal. He is the real deal. And the devil says to God, he says, oh yeah? Well, I'll bet you something. If I took away everything in his life that makes him happy, he would curse you. He would tell you where to stick it, God. The only reason that Job even does what he does is because he's got everything that this world could offer. And God says, take it all, but don't touch him. Job lost everything. Job lost his family. Job lost his wealth. Job lost his respectability. Everything. Job lost when we were talking about this story that night, our conversation started asking these questions. Why would this happen to such a good dude? Why did Job have to go through these things? And all of a sudden, we started to uncover the truth, which is in order for us to really know God, in order for us to really get to the place to where we understand what God is really all about, we have to trust him. The only problem with trust, the only problem with really knowing someone is that you don't really know someone until you've gone through hard times together. You don't really know somebody intimately until you've had to go through something with them and you've seen what they're made of and you see what their character consists of and you know what they're really all about. And I believe with all my heart that the reason that Job went through what he went through is because God says, I want to know Job and I want Job to know me. I want him to know me deep. I want him to know me strong. I want him to know me like no one else knows me. And he's got to go through some stuff so that he can get to know the side of me that no one gets to know unless it's hard, unless it's painful, unless it's dark, and unless I'm the only thing that they've got. And then I'll get to know Job. See, when we look at this guy's life that was sitting by this pool, from the outside looking in, the guy got a bad rap. 38 years. He could never run. He could never play. He could never do the things that other people did. He got a bad rap from the outside looking in. But when we hear about the heart of God wanting like crazy to break through the darkness so that he can get to us, 
he didn't get a bad rap. It took a little while, but God got to him, and that man's life was never the same. Our life and the way that we see it sometimes, we judge it too soon. My friends, your story is not done being written. Your story is not even close to being told. You're halfway through, and there's a lot of the story left. Let God in. Let him do what he wants to do with the story of your life. Is trouble going to come your way? Absolutely. Over and over and over again. But when trouble comes your way, what are you going to do? Are you going to whine? Are you going to yell? Are you going to get pissed? Are you going to call out? Why? What are you going to do? Stop talking and listen. Stop talking and listen and let God into your situation so that he can show you what he wants you to know. When we talk, it leads to anger and frustration and more and more questions. But when we listen, it leads to understanding. It leads to understanding. God wants you to understand the very things that are understandable. The very things that you say, I can't understand why. God wants you to understand all of those things. But you have to quiet yourself. You have to listen. You have to say, God, what are you speaking to my heart? God, what are you trying to say? God, I want to know you. I want to hear you in this moment. Some of you right here right now, you're feeling something inside right now that you've never felt before. You come in here thinking, I don't even know where I'm going, what I'm doing, and here you are, and I know. It happens every week. But here you are, hearing something that's talking to your heart, and it's making you go, holy crap, I need to do something. Yes, you do. You need to say yes to what you're feeling right now. You need to say yes. You have to open your heart up, and you have to say whatever it is, God, that you're trying to do, the answer is yes. God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to respond. I don't know what to say, but the answer is yes. God, I want you. He's after you right here, right now. Would you pray with me? You've been listening to gravitychurch.com. 